Blog Talk Radio. Just kind of rallied around and uh, 
the well wishes on Facebook. Myself and my family appreciate those well wishes. Thank you for your support and your continued listenership. But we're back now, and we are ready to talk wrestling. And the other thing i got to thank you guys for is that everybody who donated, contributed, came down to the Peppermill South for our event. Uh, we finally had our Relay for Life this past weekend. And my team, which the, the Tap Out Cancer event was, was part of the fundraising for that, as well as there are other people on our team. So for the American Cancer Society, Relay for Life, Rockland County, uh, our team raised over $12,000 uh, for the cause. So you guys who supported and, and came out and helped and bought raffles and you guys, Lucky 13, M&J Collectibles, all you guys that got donated memorabilia, Nunzio, great stuff. Thank you so much for the support. We raised $12,000, over $12,000 for a good cause. So we're very excited about that. So all these good well wishes to everyone out there. Glad you could be aboard. And it is time to talk wrestling because that's what we're here for. This is the best in pro wrestling talk, and we're going to talk some wrestling. Tommy Dreamer a little later on, but right now it's most important. I'm going to tag him in, my tag team partner on the line. Dave is here. How you doing tonight, Dave? Did I lose Dave? Are you there, Dave? Dave. All right. Seems like we've lost Dave. Fun times. Good times. All right. So we're going to try and get Dave back on the line. Dave, are you there? Dave, are you there? Interesting stuff. All right. So right now we're having trouble with uh, Dave. Dave, if you can hear me, uh, do me a favor and actually... uh, Maybe hang up and call back in, but we're having trouble with uh, Dave on the line. Dave, are you there? Try one more time. We're trying to get Dave on the line. Dave, are you there? And he dropped. So hopefully Dave will call back. We're going to get him back on the line. Um, But you have tuned into the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. Thank you all for being here tonight. And we want to start off today by talking about the guy, and I'm going to actually put on the Facebook, uh, we're going to start a show chat out there. So you guys, just want to make sure you guys are hearing me loud and clear out there. So let me know that the show is coming through out there on the website, online and everything. But uh, we're going to try one more time. I think we got Dave on the line. How are you there, Dave? I am here. Give me the hot tag. I'm ready to clean house on this technology. Yeah, you know what? It, it's summertime, and technology seems to like to mess with us over the summertime but we got you not not too long a break so how are you doing tonight dave i'm doing great i'm ready to talk wrestling it's been too long it has been a while you know and the wrestling world right now is all a buzz it's all a flutter and the amazing thing is is really what one daniel bryan is doing right now on the pro wrestling landscape um and he's a guy that has become He's the internet wrestling community's darling. Kids love him. The yes chant is over. Hell no was over. Uh, Old school wrestling fans are loving him. This guy is going across the board. You look at every sect, every, every part of the wrestling fan landscape, and they like him. And he is just, he is hitting the nail on the head time and time again. 
It seems like when he gets in the ring, whether it's in a singles competition or it's in a tag match, uh, you know, you're waiting for him to get tagged into those tag matches because he is just excelling physically. Uh, what he's doing in the ring right now is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's reflective of the manic character that he's got going. His action in the ring is is manic, and he continues to give us very entertaining promos. It is rare that you see someone at any point in time over the course of history firing on all cylinders the way Daniel Bryan is doing. Not enough positive things, and we talked about him a little bit last year, and we're going to talk about him again because he's what's it right now in pro wrestling. He is what everyone is abuzz about. Dave, not enough positive things to say about what Daniel Bryan is doing at this moment. Absolutely. I mean, we both witnessed it in Miami last year with the, the early stages of the Yes chant, and uh, you know, especially that the night after WrestleMania 28 in Miami, um, you know, it, it grew even further and further. And then the year he had last year, you know, with, with teaming with Kane and the anger management stuff, and then he had the long reign with the titles. And, you know, it's, you know, it's transitioned into 2013 where he's having great matches with guys like Ryback, his chemistry and the matches he has with the Shield. And, you know, he's gone from, you know, it, it, he's, He's taken, you know, small steps in his WWE career. I mean, he was an Internet darling when he walked in. A lot of people knew who he was, and he was the Internet's boy, and he still is to this day. But he transitioned into making himself a superstar in the WWE, which a lot of people didn't think he would do because he was so bland. But that chant got him over. I mean, the, the fans, they go crazy for it. You know, the, 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 the yes chant got him over. His in-ring ability got him over. Um, then, you know, his his work with Kane, nobody really thought that it would, it would last long, and it went, you know, the 240-something days that they had the tag titles, and his in-ring game has just stepped up in the intensity, and, you know, a lot of stuff you're seeing in the ring from him now is stuff that he has done in Ring of Honor that the Internet fans have been going crazy about since he came to the WWE. So there's really been a, a forward progression with him in the last year, and, uh, you know, I, I personally enjoyed watching you know, he I was at Raw last week when he was, you know, in, in two segments. He was in multiple segments this week, and the people just go crazy for him. I mean, yeah, I love watching him. I really enjoyed the match he had with Seth Rollins. I thought it was an awesome match. You know, I said it a few weeks back when he had that little exchange with Rollins, you know, where he gets nuts during his, you know, his offensive maneuvers. And I was like, I can't wait to see these two one-on-one. And they didn't disappoint. They delivered. Um, so, uh you know, I was, I can't really find anything bad about Daniel O'Brien other than that, you know, he looks like a homeless guy, but, I mean, that's, you know, that's what's getting him over, you know, is that beard, you know, and that look. Um, but, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how far he can go. I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is this whole, uh, you know, crazy weak link storyline is going to turn him a heel. I don't necessarily think that's the case. He is super hot right now as a baby face. Um I wouldn't necessarily change the tune with him. I'd keep him as a baby face um, for a little while longer, you know, for the foreseeable future, and give him a run in the main event with some guys, you know. Have him go in there with a Dolph Ziggler. Or, you know, there's rumors that he might hook up with John Cena at Money in the Bank, which is going to be in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia, you know, they're a, a, a raucous crowd, similar to, like, New York and Chicago. And that Daniel Bryan's their kind of wrestler, so I could see you know them getting behind him, and we could see something similar to, you know, the 2011 Money in the Bank with John Cena and CM Punk. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of potential there with the, with 
with Daniel Bryan, uh, you know, moving up the ladder in in the WWE. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tremendous what he's doing. And, you know, it's funny that sometimes it almost reminds me, you know, what Daniel Bryan is, is doing. Uh, I don't know if you know, but years ago when John Belushi was on Saturday Night Live, uh, it was like he would take scrapped sketches, sketches that the writers wrote, like, oh, this will never be funny, and they, they'd throw them out, and he would go through the trash and pick them up and say, yeah, I can make this funny. And it's almost like, you know, you look at some of the stuff that uh, – you know, like Daniel Bryan is doing, it's like, oh, we're going to call someone a goat face. And he, he turns around and makes it work. Uh, you know, mismatched tag team, you know, on paper, you know, maybe that's not the best pairing. He he makes it work. Uh, the anger management sketches on paper, man, as a wrestling fan, I don't know if I would be totally kicked on, on you know, those sketches. If someone handed me a script and said, this is what's going to be on Monday Night Raw next week. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'd say, oh, yeah, that's that's TV gold. But Daniel Bryan makes it work. I mean, at every given turn, it's like whatever storyline they throw this guy, he's going to make it work. And and you bring up an interesting conversation because there are the rumors uh, about John Cena. And, uh, you know, Dave and I, we agree on a lot of stuff, but we kind of fall on different sides of this. I don't want to see Daniel Bryan versus John Cena. I, I don't want to see him necessarily in in that mix just yet. I mean, he he will be in the mix for the WWE title. What my biggest, I shouldn't say my biggest, one of my bigger concerns uh, in pro wrestling, especially in the WWE, for years, and a lot of people, you know, would would say the same thing, that it became top heavy. That the 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 things that mattered were were really at the top. The overdevelopment of a John Cena storyline, where the rest of the card or the rest of the show would, uh, you know, kind of fall by the wayside. Um, I am really enjoying Daniel Bryan right where he is. I like keeping him in the middle. He's real popular there. You know, you don't necessarily have to be the main eventer to be, like, necessarily the most popular. I like where he is. I like, I want to see more of him in the middle of the card, perhaps wrestling a Dean Ambrose. Um, I would love to see... You know, a program with, with Dolph Ziggler. I mean, him and Dolph Ziggler, to me, would be gold. And I know that's the world championship, but, you know, when we look at the landscape of the WWE, you know, the world title is more like the IC title was years ago. So it's definitely that secondary title. If you move Daniel Bryan into the main event picture, then we have that, like, main event is kind of top-heavy, and, you know, we're pulling him out of that mid-card. Again, he is warranting it. He is moving in that direction. But when I go back as, as a fan, an old-school fan, when I look back at guys who stayed in the mid-card in the WWE, like Ricky Steamboats, like, uh, you know, your, your Mr. Perfects even, and your, uh, you know, Rick Rudes and those guys that were, you know, kind of remained and kind of solidified that mid-card. And I, I kind of I want Daniel Bryan actually where he is right now because when we look at – these three-hour Raws, you know, Daniel Bryan is doing a lot to make those three hours passable. We know that most likely at the end we're going to have something with Cena, either a, a match or a segment or a promo or something. We know usually in the beginning of the show we're going to have a lot of times, We lately we're having like Triple H, Heyman, those guys, you know, those guys are, are the, the big, the quote-unquote big names. As popular as Daniel Bryan is, 
I'm very happy right where he is, and I would like to see him stay in that spot at least for a little while to continue to make that mid-card more entertaining. Your thoughts, Dave? I like where he is, too. I like the stuff with the shield that doesn't get old. Um, You know, seeing him pull out a really exciting and entertaining match out of a big muscle head like Ryback last week, that was pretty cool. However, you know, I... If the fans, it's so overwhelming, but if he's so over and the fans are demanding it and his in-ring work is 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 on point and he's clicking with the audience, why not have him do something with John Cena? And here's another point, too, as to why I think they are, they, they are possibly talking about putting him with John Cena at the next pay-per-view. You know, it's no secret that him and John Cena both date the Bella Twins outside of wrestling, and the Bella Twins are going to be a part of that, reality show uh, that Total Divas or whatever it is and there are rumors that they are going to exploit the Bella Twins' respective relationships with the two of those guys. I think it would also make for a good story on reality television that the Bella Twins, the two boyfriends are in the main event of a pay-per-view and it's a big deal and, you know, sort of thing. So I think they're trying to create some kind of story out of that with the television show, but I mean it would also bring some fresh blood to the main event scene because let's face it, you know, after Ryback, who else does John Cena have to accomplish in in, in the WWE? I mean, Dolph Ziggler's got the world title. Who else is he going to wrestle? I mean, are you going to bring back Brock Lesnar for a one-shot deal to have him wrestle John Cena? Are you going to put CM Punk in that position to wrestle John Cena again? Or, I mean, Jericho's going to be leaving soon. He's got a tour with Fozzie coming up after SummerSlam. I mean, where are you going to put John, you know, who are you going to have to face John Cena? I think, you know, I think Daniel Bryan right now is is probably that next step. He's just so over with the audience. His work is believable. And, you know, he had one match with John Cena on Raw last year. It was unadvertised. And it was a damn good match for television. You know, a TV made event. But imagine the stuff they could do, you know, now seeing the progression that Daniel Bryan has made and how over his character is and how believable for a guy his size is to face bigger guys than him. Guys like Ryback, guys like Kane, even guys like Randy Orton, you know. So I think, personally, I'd love to see it. And, you know, I, you and I disagree on this, but, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I like where Bryan's at. And I'd love to see him with Ziggler because they've had some fantastic matches in the past. But I think Daniel Bryan is, like, so over right now that with this audience, I mean, you just got to look, look, you know, look at last night when he got on the top rope after, you know, the second rope and he was doing the yes chant. I mean, I didn't see anybody not doing the yes chant in the audience. I mean, it's so overwhelming. They're going to have no choice but to put him in a position like that. Or they pull the switch and they turn him heel. And then you've got another heel for John Cena. So either way, whether he's a babyface or a heel, I think it would work against John Cena, and I'd love to see it. I'd love to see the kind of match he could pull out of a guy like John Cena. I'm not saying that John Cena sucked, because we've had this discussion before on this show, but I think it would be a damn fine match between the two of them, and I think it would be something that wrestling fans want to see. The internet wrestler like Daniel Bryan that everyone, you know, rallies behind between the machine, the corporate, you know, John Cena's not a corporate guy, but the guy that has been the face of the company for the last 10 years, you know, it would make for a really good story. And it would almost, it would almost be like, you know, similar to what Cena had with Punk a few years ago. And if you see this trend too, I don't know if you noticed this, but you know, in the past several years, there's all the summertime has always been good to 
Ring of Honor, former Ring of Honor wrestlers in mainstream wrestling. In 2011, it was the summer of punk. Last year in TNA wrestling, it was the summer of Austin Aries. Could we see the summer of Daniel Bryan in the WWE? I think we got a good chance of seeing that. I think it would be some fun stuff to watch. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's funny because I guess like part of it, like for me, you know, I, I, I sometimes go by the old adage that like the, you know, people don't really know what they want. And I, I would kind of, I, I want to see the match. I, I just don't want to see it too soon. I kind of want to hold off on uh, and, and keep Brian where he is. It's a good point. I, I, I agree with you. I don't know where you go. If Daniel Bryan doesn't get slotted into that picture, like what's next for John Cena? With the assumption that Cena wins this week. I mean, there could be a whole different ball game if, you know, Ryback winds up winning the WWE title this Sunday and then, you know, where do they go with uh, the characters? And, and, you know, and we've said it, you know, you said just now, I mean, Daniel Bryan and, and Ryback have had some, some pretty good matches. I mean, do we move him into that that position against a Ryback? Um, you know, there's so many places. But I, I kind of like the whole idea of having a guy who is so over and so popular kind of hanging out there in the mid-card, kind of get uh, continue to get the fans to be more and more rabid and, and just – uh, focused and fixated on their guy, wanting their guy to to move into the main event, and eventually he would. I just, I guess we both want to see him there. I'm just thinking I'd like to see it a little bit longer than uh, the next pay per view. But definitely everything he's doing right now is working. And when we'd love to hear what you think, three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. You want to see Daniel Bryan moved quickly into the WWE? Uh, title picture, or do you want to see him kind of stay where he is and and perhaps uh, continue doing what he's doing, uh, continue uh, his uh, feuds with the Shield, or perhaps do we look at moving into a feud with Dolph Ziggler? I mean, for me, these these two, this is something that Dolph Ziggler could use right now, a feud with Daniel Bryan. Um, it's real difficult turning guys heel nowadays in the world of sports entertainment. Uh, with fans knowing that it's scripted because fans like guys who are good. It doesn't matter, you know, if they're evil, if they're mean, if they're nasty, if they're good, you know, the fans want to cheer for them. So it would be really difficult to turn Daniel Bryan heel unless he comes out and really rips the crowd. And at this point, I don't even know if the crowd would boom anyway. Um, So he could try. But I would love to see a program for that world title between Daniel Bryan and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, you know, I to me, sky's the limit. It's right. These guys could put on a series of classics. Um, it could bring uh, some well-needed prestige to that belt. And it's something that Dolph Ziggler, to me, Dave, desperately needs. Uh, you know, the world champ, we were at the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. Huge pop. Honestly, one of the biggest live pops I've ever been a part of when Ziggler cashed in and and won the world title. Uh, since then, you know, not a, yet the concussion. I mean, he was running a good storyline there with uh, Swagger and Del Rio. Uh, concussion, Dave, but kind of comes back with a whimper. Yeah, it was very uh, underwhelming. You know, I mean, they he had such momentum after he won the title, especially because of the the, 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 the New Jersey slash 
WrestleMania European crowd that was, you know, in the Meadowlands that night, you know, it was, I mean, it was crazy. You know, I, I said this before, I jumped on my chair because I couldn't, you know, I was so excited to see this happen. And I was, you know, it was a pretty cool moment to be a part of. And then he had the concussion and he lost some momentum and he was out, you know, and a lot of people were wondering what they were going to do. But the company was really behind him and wanted to make sure that he still, he had his rightful run as the champion. So they didn't strip him of the title, you know, like in storyline terms, you're supposed to strip a guy after he hasn't defended it in 30 days. Well, they didn't do that because they got faith in the guy. And, uh, you know, he passes his concussion tests and he's cleared to wrestle or cleared to at least come back on the road and, you know, he comes back and, you know, he gets involved in, you know, Jericho's promo last night. And it was just kind of like, I was glad to see him back, don't get me wrong, but I was like, you know, he's the world champion. It's the guy that you're going to, you know, not rest the entire company on, but he's going to be one of your one of your flagships, one of your mainstays now. And uh, it didn't really, it was kind of underwhelming. He accompanied Big E to ringside. He had that little thing with Del Rio at the end, and that was it. Like, there wasn't, you know, anything for him, um, you know. I'd love to see him with Daniel Bryan again. You know, like you said, it would be it would be something a shot in the arm for Ziggler. Um, I just hope that you know something to me. Like I love Ziggler. Don't get me wrong. I won't say I won't watch him ever again. But something interesting has to happen with his match Del Rio on Sunday for me to like. And it's still early too. You know, with his world title run, but something interesting has to happen for me to like really get seriously invested in it. I'm not saying I won't watch him because I'll continue watching. I'm, I. I got Mr. Trivia on the Dolph Ziggler bandwagon, so, I mean, you know, I'm not going to lose faith in the guy just because he made it to the top, but like most wrestling fans do with guys. But uh, it just it didn't I – was, I, was, I mean, I was excited to see him, but it wasn't like, oh, they should have done something more with him, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just It wasn't anything to write home about. Like, he came out, cut a promo, and that was it, you know, like big whoop. And then he announced he's going to wrestle at the pay-per-view. So hopefully, you know, he's got a little ring rust, but hopefully uh, some, this stuff with Del Rio is uh, is pretty interesting um, going forward. If they're going to extend it or if he's going to move on to something else, I don't know. But just nothing that really excited me last night. And I love Dolph Ziggler. I do too, and you're right. I mean, it was kind of, you know, when his music hit, I, I kind of was expecting something more. Um, and it is, uh, you know, we're both big Ziggler fans. And sometimes, you know, you wonder... I mean, sometimes with guys, and I guess it's kind of where I'm falling along the lines with Daniel Bryan, is like I'd like to hold him off a little more. But, you know, does Dol- is Dolph Ziggler a guy who's going to step up? Is he going to, you know, wow us, you know, the concussion, post-concussion, really show us that he's back, you know, have a classic on Sunday and then have a, a good run with, with this belt? Um, or does he wind up being a guy that, you know, the pursuit was 100% more entertaining than the actual title run. Uh, you know, we I wouldn't say we were on the edge of our seats, but it was a topic of conversation for a long time. When is he going to cash in? When is he going to cash in? I want to see him cash in. And as much as, you know, we may have been critical at times. Gee, you know, like, oh, God, would you please cash in already? But that delay, that length of time in him cashing in, was part of the reason why that was a huge ovation when he finally cashed in at that Raw after WrestleMania. You know, but does it become something where, you know, the the climax of him winning the title winds up making his run, you know, very underwhelming? And it, it really, you're right, It's his title run right now is in a really interesting spot. You know, and you kind of you're hoping that he has a really solid match, uh, 
you know, on Sunday and then going forward, we see like, you know, the full potential of Dolph Ziggler uh, come to the forefront, uh, you know, and where does his title run go from there? Um, so we got a lot on the table. Monday Night Raw, three-hour Raw. Uh, last night we got Tommy Dreamer coming up at the top of the hour, 347-838-9815. You want to see Daniel Bryan immediately in the title picture, or are we going to delay it a little bit, slow burn it? What are we going to do with Dolph Ziggler? Are you excited that he's back? All these things and more. We're going to go out to the phones because we want to hear from you. What are you guys thinking? And first up, we're going to go right out to Tony. Tony, are you there? Hey, guys. What's going on? How are tonight? All right, yeah. As far as the thing with um, Daniel Bryan is, I mean, by far, you know, is, is easily one of the, my favorite my favorite guys in WWE right now. I mean, he's you know, the, the, like you said, the guys the guys just 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 outstanding. You know, I mean, his match uh, him and Seth Rollins that that was that was the that was the highlight of, of last night's Raw for me. I mean, you know, just just a great match. And, um, you know, I mean, as, as to what they were gonna do, what they're gonna do with them, I and you know, it's like now they're gonna have them team up with Orton. I mean, I don't know. It's gonna be what is it, him and Orton against uh, Reigns and Rollins, Payback. Um, I mean, you know, I don't know if they put the tag titles on. I mean, you know, because I think taking the belts off the Shield would be would be kind of, you know, I think it'd be a little too soon to have, to have the Shield drop the belts. But yeah, uh, as far as it, 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 it's interesting because that's like a you know, I found that odd. Uh, in reference to uh, Daniel Bryan and what's going on with him, and, and I'm I'm curious what the outcome of that match is. It's you know they so these three guys have kind of been thrown into the mix in this you know flurry of of six man tag matches that have been we've been bombarded with, and so you have Hell No and Orton, and then they you know Vicky Guerrero for whatever reason you know it's all right we're going to break up one mismatched tag team and. We're going to throw together another mismatched tag team to go against the Shield for the, the tag belts. I mean, I have no doubt it's going to be a very entertaining matchup, but I, I did find myself scratching my head a little bit as far as uh, storyline-wise. Uh, like I said, I think the match is going to deliver. I think it's going to be a tremendous matchup. Uh, it just it seemed kind of odd to me. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. It did kind of make. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do like maybe have like I don't know. Like I mean, there's going to be some kind of like miscommunication with the two of them at the you know at the show or whatever. And I don't know. Maybe they'll have Orton turn. I don't know. If, maybe they'll have Orton turn heel and, and uh, do him and Daniel Bryan for a bit. I don't know. But, uh, um, I don't know what you think about that, but uh, I don't know. That's something I can come up with because um, you know. I mean, and then you've been seeing Daniel Bryan go for the um, for the world title or the you know, the WWE title. I mean, you know. I, I think Daniel Bryan and uh, Dolph could we uh, could, could could have some you know, could have some really fun matches. Um, you know, even like as far as like Dolph's promo, I, I was like I I didn't I didn't really know like, why he came out when Jericho was in the ring. Which by the way, I thought he was good on the mic too, Jericho. But I didn't really get why Dolph came out while Jericho was in the ring and you know talking about Del Rio and stuff. You know, it's like Del Rio wasn't out there. Yeah, you know. So uh, a lot of it, I thought the segment was I, I thought the segment was good I thought it was you know I, I was fine with it but, but like I say you know, Dolph talking about Del Rio while Del Rio wasn't out there really was kind of like I don't know yeah but he um, I agree it was kind of odd it definitely was but you know, I mean even you know, like but uh, you know like, even on him saying you know it's like he you know he um, was it the, the, 
you know, just like how uh, they never wanted him to be world champion or whatever, or whatever, uh, however, whatever, however his promo went last night about saying how he, uh, you know, skips, he stole the show and earned the title or whatever. It, it was, I think that was pretty much kind of like, I think it was also kind of like an inside um, <laughs> jab at the, at the WWE. I don't know if it was a jab, but you know, it was it was kind of like a, you know, like him saying, you know, they they never really thought, you know, they never really <laughs> planned on him getting uh, getting getting to you know to where he, to the world title you know, or getting over uh, like this, which you know it's, it's kind of weird you know because I mean you saw months he was getting buried and you know then like you said they put the world title on him you know like you know, like sometimes a lot of times I'm wrong with the place but uh, you know a lot of times with, you know it's like the the payoffs to the stories can sometimes be underwhelming I mean let's hope it's not with Dolphs you know I mean it's, I mean I hope he has a good you know I mean I hope he has a good run with the belt you know. So, it's, um, but like I say, him and uh, you know, doing him, him and Daniel Bryan for the world title, I'm, I'll be fine with that. As far, as far as doing Daniel Bryan and Cena, um, I'm I, I'm a little hesitant in the back of it just because just because WWE likes to have Cena bury everybody, uh, you know, just because they you know, it's, I don't know if they'll make Daniel look like <laughs> uh, to use his phrase the weak link in that, but. Uh, it's, uh, you know, and, and if it's going to be centered around because they're both dating the Bellas, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you know, it's like, I, I mean, we've seen that Daniel Bryan can make any, can pretty much, you know, it's like, he can make anything good, you know, he can make anything entertaining. I mean, you know, it's like, it was, I, I mean, i got to say, I haven't found Randy Orton this entertaining since 2004 when he, when he had that match with Mick Foley. I, you know, it's like, I, it's like, I haven't been interested, you know, I haven't really been a fan of Orton, you know, interested in seeing Randy Orton in that, in in years, so you know it's like you put you know it's like you pair him up with Daniel Bryan and then okay, it's, so I mean Daniel Bryan is definitely you know I mean the guy is the guy is just you know un- unbelievably uh, t- unbelievably talented. I really enjoy watching him, and uh, you know even if they want to do like you know, like him and uh, you know like him and seeking you know, him versus CM Punk or whatever, I know they've had that match before, but you know if they, if they want to do it again, you know if they want to do that again after uh, you know after payback because I mean. I, you know, cause, I mean, even with that, you know, it's like I I can see a punk face turn coming, you know, since uh, Heyman accepted uh, Jericho's challenge for him, and you know, I, I, I you know, I mean, I can see I can see them doing something where you know, like Punk will be like, you know, be all like, you know, kind of taking kind of pissed at Heyman and being yeah, like, I mean, you know, hey, what when you think about it, I mean, to bring Punk back, I mean, anytime a guy. You know, a popular, uh, a main event type guy goes away for whatever reason, um, whether it's injury or vacation or whatever it is. Um, you know, 90% of the time they're going to get a pop as soon as they come back, regardless of how they left. Um, you know, a guy like CM Punk, you know, if they're bringing him back and they're bringing him back in Chicago. Uh, you you got to think that there's a lot of potential for there to be a face turn uh for for CM Punk and and I agree I think that uh, you know him getting annoyed with Heyman for making the match could uh be the reason Heyman saying you deserted me uh could be a reason uh you know do they have someone jump CM Punk uh, at some point uh, there are a lot of things we could see happen but I I I agree I think we're going to see a, a Punk face turn and uh you know who knows how how the writing would go and how they would would do it, but uh, you know CM Punk and Daniel Bryan uh, in a program together, uh, you know I'm I'm not disappointed. 
Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that that program going on. So, uh, you know, we'll see where they go. But uh, it's interesting, you know, where exactly do they go with CM Punk once he's back? If uh, Jericho is going to be leaving and Jericho is kind of saying that this is the third in the trilogy, uh, you know, where do we move uh, CM Punk to after this match? Do we have a Curtis Axel rivalry? Uh, who knows? There's there's so many questions, but I like that. When there's question marks and there's stuff to talk about, that's when wrestling is good. Tony is our expert blogger. Go to thekenreadyshow.com. He blogs each and every week for Monday Night Raw, uh, Impact, and SmackDown. So head on over to thekenreadyshow.com. Check out Tony's blogs. Tony, thanks for the phone call. We'll talk to you Sunday. All right. Thanks a lot. And we're going to stick with the phones because people got a lot to say. We got Mr. Trivia on the line. Mr. Trivia, are you there? Yes. How you doing, guys? Doing all right. How are you? Good. Ken, uh, first of all, on behalf of the Top Rope Report, we'd like to uh, express our condolences for your loss. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, second of all, uh, Daniel Bryan, um, like you said, Daniel Bryan, Dolph Ziggler, be an excellent match. Daniel Bryan, uh, CM Punk would also be a good match. I'm, uh, I agree with you, what you're saying about a possible CM Punk face turn, because I was talking to a friend of mine just like two hours ago, and I was telling him, I said, I think CM Punk is going to turn against Paul Heyman because wasn't the original plan for him to come back at SummerSlam? And then Paul Heyman decides to go ahead and make this match like two months before SummerSlam. Don't even know if CM Punk is ready for the match. And he just went ahead and made the match. And I think that uh, that might set up a, that might set up a match between uh, CM Punk, Brock Lesnar, or maybe CM Punk, Curtis Axel. Curtis Axel. I don't know. I'm still not on the Curtis Axel bandwagon yet. I might have to. I might have to talk to Dave uh, periodically throughout the weeks. So maybe he can uh, get me on the Curtis Axel bandwagon like he did with Dolph Ziggler. And I'm I'm pleased that that happened. But uh, I just wanted to see. Get your uh, points on that. Well, Dave, why don't you take the because you know the Curtis Axel thing. I, I mean, I kind of liked uh, when he came in. I kind of liked what they were doing. I liked uh, the uh, pairing with Heyman. I thought Heyman was a guy to get him over. I mean, he's a guy that's it's got some skill, got some talent, but um, I don't know the the way he's been used the past couple weeks uh, could be suspect, Dave. It's, a, it's going to be a slow process. I'm not on the Curtis Axel bandwagon yet, so there's no need for me to try to recruit you just yet, Mr. Trivia. But, however, okay. uh, the uh, it, yeah, it's going to be a slow process. I mean, he, it, they put him in tough positions, in my opinion. I mean, he started out pretty strong being aligned with Heyman, taking the name of his father and his grandfather. You know, he's got some skill set in the ring. Um you know, being associated with Heyman doesn't automatically get you to the top, but he's on his way there. Um, I think it was actually kind of a smart choice to add him to the Intercontinental title match because Fandango, or whatever his name is, um, was, you know, hurt with a concussion. So uh, it, it's going to take a while for him. Um, I think it hasn't helped that they put him, use him as somewhat of a, like, supporting role or backdrop with, like, the – the Triple H, uh, you know, Vince McMahon saga that's been going on over his, you know, his concussion issues or whatever, and then they throw him in there with Cena, and, you know, he's gotten, I mean, 
I, I made it clear last week, a count-out victory and a no disqualification was blasphemy. And I, I don't think it really helped him. I like the I like the match he had with Jericho. The win helped him. You know, he got an upset victory over Jericho. Um, I would have liked to have seen maybe him do something a little more with Jericho, but I know Jericho's tied up with Punk, but it's going to take a little while. I think he's going to have to, you know, He's like a, he's going to have to develop some real serious wins for people to take him seriously. Because if you're going to go about the, the, you know, his his wrestling career with Paul Heyman with these upset victories over guys, I mean, I understand it's, some of it's to draw heat, but then there comes a point in time where it's like, all right, you know, these people want to see somebody serious out of all this, and you know, see if he's a real deal and he's going to be a big player someday. He's going to have to get some real wins and be in some real storylines and 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 you know. Not have somebody like not not piggyback off of somebody because I don't think they're. I think if whatever they're trying to do with Triple H and Vince, keep him out of it. Don't put him in there because it's not helping him. You know, he's just used like I said, he's just used as like a, a supporting role or a back as a backdrop, and he's not really you know being put over. I think in my opinion, in the beginning it was with with the match, but afterwards I just I think it's just become. You know, like complacent that they put him in this position um, during this Triple H thing. So it's good, like I said, it's gonna take a while, but I think he can get there. Um, I would change his look up a little bit. I mean, the beard thing, like you know, like WWE is so cosmetic and wrestling is so cosmetic these days about guys with looks. I mean, they used to like take guys if they had the same name, they would change like. You know, her, Shane Helms, he wasn't allowed to use Shane because we're Shane McMahon on television, you know. And certain guys have certain looks, like they got the beard thing going with Daniel Bryan. Maybe they make him shave his beard or something, you know. Or, like, get rid of that 1995 George Clooney haircut he's got and do something <laughs> different with him, you know. Like, it's stuff like that. Like, I, I wouldn't say make him totally look like his father or his grandfather, but have him stand out in his own with his own different look, you know, and, and make him, make him look like a superstar. Because to me, he still looks like Michael McGillicuddy. And not a whole lot of people know who he is, the Michael McGillicuddy character. But unfortunately, I do, and our listeners here do as well. And I can't associate him looking like Michael McGillicuddy, but yet he's paired with Heyman, and we're supposed to believe he's some big superstar because he got a couple of count-out victories over a few guys. Like, it's still early, too, so I guess maybe I shouldn't go too nuts on this subject, but let it progress, and let's see what happens in a few months. Let's see what happens in about six months. If they're still doing the same stuff with him, then you could say that, you know, this is this didn't work out. Yeah, I I totally, totally 100% agree with you on that uh, thing. And another thing I want to make mention before I um, uh, hang up here is uh, this thing with Triple H, Vince McMahon. I know this is probably going to sound like way out of the ordinary and so far-fetched it's unbelievable, but what are the chances that the two of them get together and somewhere down the line have a match for a winner take control of the company? I mean, it's one of those things where, you know... It's not that far-fetched because Vince McMahon wrestled God once at some point, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Because, you know, Triple H is pretty pissed that he couldn't uh, go in the match. And I didn't see Raw last night. I had uh, top rope meetings all night with getting interviews all set up. and But it was one of those things where I didn't get a chance to see it. So hopefully I'll catch it on YouTube. But I understand that he started off the match and Vince came out and took the bell and everything else, and I think it's just going to get way out of hand and they'll end up with a, a match between the two of them and winner takes over control of the company. 
Ken, congratulations. On, Ken and Dave, excuse me, congratulations on getting uh, Tommy Dreamer. Looking forward to listening to that interview. And we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks a lot, Mr. Trudy. Take care. And, you know, I, I mean, it's interesting. You know, the only thing, I mean, the obvious thing when you watch the way that those uh, those vignettes are, are playing themselves out, I mean, I don't think it's far-fetched at all. I mean, it almost seems like that's what they're heading towards. I've heard reports over the past few years that McMahon uh, really shouldn't be taking any more bumps, and I don't know if, if he can really wrestle uh, a full match. Um, you know, maybe we have something where McMahon has a, uh, you know, he represents someone that goes in uh, against Triple H. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if if we're heading down uh, that path. Uh, I don't really know. I do agree with you, Dave. I think at this point, you know, they got to pull Curtis Axel out of this, uh, let him stand on his own because, I mean, you use the term backdrop. And when you're trying to build a new superstar, uh, using him as a backdrop uh, doesn't really help him at all. Uh and I couldn't agree more about changing the look. And I would almost, you know, really to give him something different, shave the beard, maybe a goatee, uh, do something different with the hair. And you know what? Maybe when he comes out and he's not wrestling, do the suit thing. You know, do the suit and sunglasses, uh, you know, thing. Kind of, you know, he's not one of those guys. You know, when a when a Biggie Langston comes out or Ryback comes out in their ring attire, I mean, they're jacked. And, and their physical appearance uh, helps a bit in getting the character over. They they look intimidating. Uh, you know, McGillicuddy, McGillicuddy, there you go, go McGillicuddy. Uh, Axel does not, he doesn't get, have that physique that just kind of wows you when, when you see him. So why not change it completely? If he's not wrestling, put him in a suit and tie, uh, give him some sunglasses, just real, you know, really have that kind of air of superiority um, those are some little things I, I, off the top of my head, I would think, as far as tweaking that character a little bit. But, you know, it's funny because I'm still, like, cautiously optimistic about him, Dave. I, I think there's some talent there. Um, I just think they need to kind of pull him away from the the McMahon-Helmsley storyline and kind of, uh, you know, maybe give him his, his own thing. Who knows? Maybe we'll see the start of something new uh, this Sunday when he goes after the IC title. Yeah, I think that was a smarter move to kind of put him in a, in a mid-card kind of feud. Um, I think they wanted to. I, I think they wanted to see how he would handle himself, and he had some solid matches with you know Cena and Jericho, and you know he had a, a fantastic 60-minute Iron Man match with Triple H that was called off too early. <laughs> Said wow. no one ever. Um, but anyhow. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him kind of float around in mid-card, you know, get get a few wins over some guys like, you know, like The Miz, because I don't like him, and, you know, other guys that can have him work with. Um, but, you know, he's also got to do a little more talking, too, um, in my opinion. I, I think he can't rely so much on Heyman. Um, but getting on the topic of the Triple H McMahon thing, I mean, it looks like it's reaching toward the power struggle. And I really don't want to see a power struggle kind of storyline because how many times have the McMahons have been in power struggle storylines where, you know, this one gave up their stock to sell to this one so they could buy this, you know, like, and, and Austin at one time was the CEO because Vincent or Linda and Stephanie sold it to him to get back at Vince and Shane for kidnap for having Undertaker kidnap 
snapper and this, that, and the other. You know, everyone's been a bought. Ric Flair owned the company at one time, you know what I mean? Like, the power struggle thing's just getting old. And especially if you've got, like, eight general managers between Booker T., Brad Maddox, Mick Foley on Saturday Morning Slam, Vicky Guerrero. It's like, how many boss, how many cooks in the kitchen do you need to run a wrestling company? Like, there all these shows, you know what I mean? Like, Zack Ryder was probably a general, he was a general manager for one night at some point. I mean, the power struggle thing just gets old for me. I would have loved to, and maybe they're not really going that direction. That's what it looks like, but maybe they're not. Maybe they are going to stick with the whole looking out for his well-being with the concussion thing and this, that, and the other. Um... But, you know, the other thing that that kind of bothers me, too, is that they go back, you know, that they're doing this, you know, this friction between the two of them. But wasn't it like a couple years ago that, like, Vince was relieved of his duties as, like, an active member of of the company? Like, he still had a role in the company, but he couldn't actively participate. And didn't Triple H have to be the one to fire him? And now he's back on TV, but he's still referred to as the boss, and he makes all these decisions. Like, there's a lot of inconsistencies there. So, I don't want to see anything that's got to do with, like, power struggles and I'm going to be the boss and, you know, I mean, they voted Hunter out a few years ago with that stupid walkout they did on Raw at one point. Like, just get over it. Like, that that stuff, that, to me, like, I don't think they should have general managers or bosses at all anymore on wrestling because that thing's just been overplayed. Like, if, if, to be honest with you, they promote that goddamn app so much so for, you know, every you know, more times than they promote the app so much that the app, Promotions last longer than some of the matches do. You might as well just let all the fans be the general manager, for Christ's sake. You know, they had them vote for three matches last night. Let them vote for the whole goddamn show. Why not, you know? Screw these power struggle storylines. I'm so sick and tired of it. Yeah, I can't. I mean, and it has gotten convoluted. I mean, I'm not as, as big a hater on the, the GMs, but I think it's gotten watered down. I mean, if Triple H is going to be on TV often as the COO, then get rid of the other GMs. Um, if you're going to have, if you're going to, if uh, you know Triple H is going to go on hiatus for a chunk of time, then uh, you know maybe have maybe have one GA, GM uh, for both shows. Uh, it just it has gotten watered down. And you're right, they use the app for the, the, the fans to to pick uh, uh, matches. I mean that might not be a bad idea to just do, you know all the GMs are fired and and this week on Raw you're the GM. Well, here's the other thing, too, that kind of bothers me. There's no more brand extension. It's not like the, the – why do they have two general managers for separate – or four general managers, you say, because Teddy Long is practically one. Why do they have four general managers for two shows, and they make it seem like there's a brand extension when all the guys are on the same shows? Well, what are you I, separating? I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it, it's kind of like they're they're uh, adhering to that, that old format that uh, – is kind of antiquated. Uh, you know, it's interesting, and, and we did just bring up the app, and I'd like to throw something in about the app. And, you know, something that struck me last night watching Monday Night Raw, and, and this is something that the WWE should should take heat. You know, when you, when you continue to, to cram that, that app down, and it's a big joke now. I mean, you, you talk to people online, you talk to other wrestling fans. I mean, it's people are making jokes about the app. There are memes out there about the app. Uh, you know, people want to create drinking games about, you know, you take a drink every time they say app. You know what? The one time they didn't mention the app was during the Daniel Bryan match. When Daniel Bryan was uh, wrestling Seth Rollins. And you know what? I used the app. That was the one moment where I was like, I actually want to see what's going on in this match during the commercial break. Grab my phone. Use the app. You know what? Don't cram the app down our throats. We're wrestling fans. More wrestling equals good. 
That's how we are. We want more. If you have good programming, if if the match is solid, if, if it's entertaining, we're going to want to use the app. Don't tell us to use the app. And that match was so good, immediately, as soon as they went to commercial, I, I grabbed my phone and went to the app because I wanted to see the rest of that match. So you don't really need to, to push, push, push. Just make sure the programming is quality, and, and we'll go. We'll use it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good app. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's a good app. The videos are good. The videos have, have worked. You know, I've been able to, everything I've wanted to watch live has worked on the app. I like the app, Dave. Uh, I just, you know, sometimes it's become a bit of a joke that they're cramming it down our throats. That one match, I used the app. Quality programming, wrestling fans are going to are gonna run to the app, Dave. I think it's, a, I mean, in theory, with, with the matches and stuff, I think the app works, you know. But, you know, they promote the hell out of it to, like, like they did with that tout last year. I don't see any touts on TV anymore. I don't see any stupid oh, I forgot about you know, that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see that anymore. And the company apparently invested, like, $5 million into that. You know, that, that stupid tout thing is, like, the next generation of, like, you know, social media. Where's that gone? That's, that's, that's no – I mean, I don't see anything about tout anymore on, on WWE TV. All I see is this app. You know, and the same thing over and over again. You know, it's good with the matches. Like you said, that's when you got to use it, like, you know, during the commercial breaks. I don't want to go on the app so I could find – Titus O'Neil and Darren Young watching a match backstage, and then they, <laughs> they come back from commercial break, and then they show them watching the match backstage. This is what you missed on the WWF as Darren Young is taking that pick into his afro, and Titus O'Neil's blowing his whistle. I could care less. You know, the, the, the app I think is good for the matches. Yeah, you can buy a bunch of crap on there with the shop and all that other stuff, and see the exclusive interviews. You know, it was good when I watched the Bret Hart Appreciation Night. You know, that was pretty cool. I got to watch it on there for about fifteen twenty minutes. I like that. But, oh, my God, with this goddamn thing. Like, Jerry Lawler is, like, 70 years old. I don't even know if he knows how to use a smartphone. They got him out there promoting this app. Like, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, I know it's, it's, we're in a different age. You know, maybe, it's just, maybe I'm showing my age as an older wrestling fan, but we're in a different age where wrestling has taken a different turn. But, holy cow, three hours at the app? <laughs> I'm like. Come on, like every every hour. If you go on the WWE app right now, you can vote for, uh, you know, who's going to face who. I like that, and I like the matches, but, I mean, God, oh my. They already got, like, 8 million people on that thing. Like, how many more people you want? Like, they're already making their money. Like, Jesus Christ. You know, and honestly, if you're going to invest $5 million, you know, I, I, I'd take it. I mean, why not invest in a in a wrestling radio show? In fact, you know what? I'll take half that. I'll take 2.5. We're getting close to uh, Tommy Dreamy on, so we're going to go out to the phone and try and squeeze in another call. we got Mike on the line. Mike, are you there? Oh, are you there? Going once. All right, he's not there, so uh, sorry. Big from last week. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we're back, I guess, you know, yeah, the app, I mean, it, it's a good app. It's just, you know, stop cramming it down our throats. Uh, oh, so many things to talk about. We hit the app. We hit the McMahon-Helmsley storyline, the the power struggle. Who knows where they're going to go with that. Uh, you know, it was interesting because we did talk about that, and it was kind of a concussion angle. And now it's kind of circumvented itself into a power struggle angle. Do they go back to the concussion angle? Uh, you know, we haven't really seen... Now, last night we didn't see Triple H having uh, any ill effects from the concussion. So uh, it was something that uh, 
could have been very interesting. It kind of went from a, uh, you know, Stephanie and Vince convincing Triple H that he needs to stop wrestling or he can't wrestle because of the concussion, and it turned into a Stephanie McMahon trying to be the peacemaker between Triple H and Vince McMahon. So it, we definitely had a, a change in the in the crux of the storyline. I'm curious exactly what direction uh, that's going to go in. I, I thought the concussion angle could have been interesting, especially because it's such a hot bed topic uh, nowadays uh, in the business. So um, I don't know, Dave. I mean, like you said, the power struggle angle, uh, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily original, um, where they're going to go with that. Uh, the other thing, are we just going to see like a, a family squabble uh, kind of thing? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, Dave, when you when you see this thing unfolding, I mean, what direction would you want to see them going? Well, you know, now that you mentioned it, this just kind of popped in my head. But after watching last night when she talked about how he's not, how Vince isn't getting any younger, he was playing in the pool with the kids. You know, she she you know she threw the she she threw the children card out there. You know, and, and talking about his age and everything like that. It almost makes it seem like that, like you know, in some ways they could be writing the Mr. McMahon character off of television. Now, you know, they tried doing that once when they blew up the limo and said he was dead, and then that didn't work because. Somebody had to go kill his wife and kids and hang himself, but that's a whole other story. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, it goes from concussion to power struggle. Now they're kind of exploiting, you know, Vince's age and, you know, the, the the thing at the end with, like, the hugging and stuff, I was like, what are you doing here? Like, what's, like, you know, they, they were just kind of all over the place. It was like, you know, I don't want to talk to him. you got to talk to him because I'll kill him. No, I don't want to talk to him. And then Stephanie sets this whole thing up. The two of them are in the office, and then it's like, you know, you know what? Have your match with Curtis Axel this week. No, I don't want the match. Like, well, what are you, what are you trying to accomplish here? You know, it, it's confusing as a viewer. Like, everything was fine up until that last segment when they had the, the, the hug it out gimmick in the locker room. But there was that. I just I was confused by it. What are you, what are you accomplishing here? What's this? Where's this going to go? Maybe it's you know maybe it's it's good that we're sitting here having this conversation wondering where it's going to go, but that last part didn't make any sense to me. You know, it just didn't make any sense that like you know Hunter was so adamant having this match, and now all of a sudden he doesn't want to have it, and Vince was so adamant at, like against him wrestling this match, and now he's going to let him wrestle under the you know knowing the condition that he was in a few weeks ago when he collapsed and you know had the ill effects of, you know, being in the ring. Like, I don't get it. Like, wh- where are you going with it? You know, and I'm curious uh, I'm curious to find out where they're going to go with this. I just have a feeling it's going to be another McMahon family issue and a squabble, and they're going to fight over power, and, you know, the, somebody's going to be the boss, but there will be ten more bosses underneath them, and, you know, it's just I, – I have no idea what, what they're going to do with it. And it's interesting because McMahon has kind of been, you know, he's kind of remained in that, you know, Mr. McMahon character. But, he, you know, he, he gets cheered now. I mean, he's kind of faced Mr. McMahon. So it's first time in a little while, like, we've seen, you know, kind of the, the heel side of Mr. McMahon uh, kind of coming back out. Uh, you know, and it's funny because, like, on some levels, like, or did it just end last night? And we're just speculating. It's like the hugging it out, it, it's over, and, and they're not going to go any farther with this storyline. I mean, you know, who knows? It just it's uh, it's weird. I mean, if they decide to do a power struggle type storyline, I just hope that it, it's somewhat permanent. Uh, if behind the scenes, uh, Mr. McMahon really, legitimately, wholeheartedly is 
considering retirement and this is his swan song to, to go out. Um, you know, because you're right. I mean, we they do glaze over the fact. Like, we've seen the power structure in the WWE change repeatedly. We've seen McMahon lose his power. We saw him get fired. Um, you know, the power structure continues to change, and then they, they kind of conveniently, you know, pretend that stuff didn't happen. And if anything, I mean, when you think about wrestling fans, wrestling fans don't forget. They do not forget, you know, storylines. And, you know, they're so quick. I mean, wrestling fans are really quick. To like point out, as soon as there's an inconsistency, they want to point out, you know, wait a second, that's not right because blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they got to know. I mean, there's smarter people than me working in the front offices. They got to know when this stuff happens. You know, fans are going to recognize that there's inconsistencies. But, you know, I just hope that if it is a storyline where they're going and it's a power struggle type thing, uh, that they kind of, they kind of, Make it permanent that this this is it. If if Mr. McMahon is to lose this power struggle, that that that's it. That that's that's he wants to retire, and that's going to be how he goes out. Uh, you know, losing the company, so to speak. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. We're waiting on Tommy Dreamer to call in, so we'll go out to the phones. We got Justin on the line. Justin, are you there? I can't miss you. Mister, how you doing tonight, man? Very good. Uh, we got, we're still waiting for Tommy to, to give us a buzz, so we'll talk to you for a little bit. Did you watch Monday Night Raw last night? Oh, yeah. Can I love it? Well, what what'd you like most about it? Well, I like um, I like uh, John Cena and Edge. Hey, what did you think of John Cena and Ryback at the end of Raw? Well, did, did John Cena win? Well, they just they confronted each other uh, because they're they're having their big match at uh at the pay per view on Sunday. Well, I, you know, let me ask you that. You know, big match, pay per view, John Cena versus Ryback. Who do you think is going to win that matchup? It's going to be uh, John Cena. You think John's going to beat Ryback? <clears throat> yes, he is. Any other matches you're looking forward to in the pay per view? Um. I, I I miss Edge. You miss Edge? Yes, I do. It would be cool. You know, we're talking about, you know, power structure and GMs and stuff. I mean, if the if the uh the whole uh GM thing got a little uh little less convoluted and they they stripped it down a little bit, uh that's something that, you know, I could see Edge coming in as a very entertaining GM type figure. You know, a lone GM. Get rid of like, you know, have Triple H off TV. Uh, get rid of like the the dual GMs and just have one guy running both shows. I think Edge could be a hell of a hell of a GM. What do you think about that, Justin? Well, that'd be good. <laughs> you know, Ken David's a wonderful man. You know that. He is a wonderful man. Anything else you'd like to say to Dave? Hey, Dave, you know what? You are what? cool, my. You're a cool man, and, you, and your job's doing good. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad that uh, you, uh, you 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 think that way. Thank you. You're welcome. That's Scott. All right, Justin. Thank you so much for the call. Uh, you know we're back on Sunday, so I hope to hear from you then. Take it easy, Justin. All right, Ken. You're 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 cool. Thanks. I try. Take care of yourself, man. Okay. And there's Justin, our our daily affirmation with Justin. Always, uh, you know, 
making us just happy, putting a smile on our face. But, uh, you know, as Justin pointed out, bringing up a guy like Edge and, uh, you know, Edge uh, not on TV. And, you know, there are guys out there that, you know, and, and waiting right now for Tommy Dreamer to give us a buzz. But, you know, a guy who was at the original House of Hardcore, Edge was there. And uh, a guy, you know, sometimes you don't know what you got till it's gone and you you miss certain guys and you don't realize how much you're going to miss certain guys from TV. Uh, you know, a guy who could talk, entertaining, still popular, you know, don't know what his situation is or what he'd want to do. But we're talking about GM and kind of kind of stripping it down a little bit and maybe getting rid of, you know, Vicky and Maddox and uh, Booker T and uh, Long and just kind of kind of like streamlining the whole process. You know, Edge being kind of the GM for both shows uh, could could provide some very entertaining TV, Dave. Yeah, it'd be fresh. I'd like to see it. You know, from what I understand, he's he's uh, he's okay with you know not being on television. I mean, he's he's not ruled it out that he wouldn't come back in some kind of role like that. But uh, from what I understand, in other interviews that I've read with him, he's uh, he's pretty content just with the life that he has right now and being away from it all. Considering that, you know. He was basically forced out due to an injury. I think it would be much harder for him to come back, um, you know, being around the guys and being in a role like that um, this early, even though it's, you know, two years removed from his retirement, but this early from uh, retirement and not being able to, uh, you know, compete in the ring, um, considering the way he was, uh, you know, he had to retire. But, yeah, I, I, I think it would be fresh and it would, you know, be something cool, but, uh, you know, well, you know, only time will tell. Maybe we'll see it in a few years. Maybe we won't. But you know, something something that you know can be used when uh, you know when it's need when it's necessary. Are there any other guys you look at and you think like could make a really good GM? Um, Actually, hold that hold that thought, Dave, because right now okay. we have the innovator of violence, uh, wrestling legend, icon, and looking forward on June twenty second. The House of Hardcore 2. We have the one and only Tommy Dreamer on the line. Tommy, how you doing tonight? Good. How are you? Doing great. Uh, let's get right into it. You know, very excited about House of Hardcore 2. Uh, I was at the first one. It was a great, great show. I'm um, curious. We'll talk a lot about the card coming up on June 22nd. But in creating this whole company promotion, could you give us a little bit of the history? How did House of Hardcore come up? Where did the idea come up? And how did you go through the process of who you wanted, who you booked, and how you put together the matches? Sure. Um, I mean, basically came up with the uh, starting a wrestling school, which I have up in Poughkeepsie, New York. I'm actually here right now. And uh, there was uh, two my two trainers that helped me uh, in the ring. There are two... Uh, wrestlers that I've known for a long time, one being Vic Delicious, the other one being Hale Collins. They uh, live up here, and they were like, hey, we're, there's no wrestling schools around here, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, guys who, you know, are interested in getting involved wrestling, and, we you know, we're kind of thinking of, you know, opening up a wrestling school, and we know our names don't have any merit, but would you be interested in, you know, joining up the wrestling school, and, you know, because your name has some stock, which I thought was a excellent you know, business plan for them to come up with it. So that's how the wrestling school came about. And I was just, you know, in the original ECW, we had uh, a wrestling school. It was called the House of Hardcore. 
and I thought that was also a cool name for a wrestling promotion. And then I went and trademarked it, and hence how that all came about. And then I had to, you know, put on a show here in Poughkeepsie. And I just thought, you know, I guess the whole, my tie-ins with, you know, ECW and, you know, the hardcore stuff, you know, kind of fit as well. And since, it, you know, the company is, you know, kind of my brainchild uh, for the actual wrestling show, you know, that's what I did. And, you know, the, the I guess it all came about as well with, you know, my, I don't want to say my feelings towards the business, just, you know, the whole slogan of no politics, no BS, just wrestling. And that's what I wanted to give the fans. That's what I've always given the fans, you know, from, you know, the original ECW when, you know, I was behind the scenes, you know, helping uh, with writing and, you know, booking the matches with Paul Heyman. And then, you know, for the couple of times when I wrote, you know, WWE's ECW One Night Stand and, you know, then I wrote the TNA's Hardcore Justice and they were all, you know, very, very successful. And I have a nice a great rapport with the wrestling, you know, fans and community. And they know I like to go out there and, you know, put together a, a great show as well as, you know, whenever I'm performing, I like to do the same. And that's how I guess it all came to fruition. And, you know, I couldn't be happier. It was, you know, it was a risk because the first show was all my own money. And, uh, you know, you get to see all the, the uh, you know, hey, you got to get insurance. Hey, you got to, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that, everything has a on it. And then uh, from, you know, I said if it was successful, I'd do another. Uh, it was successful. I'm doing another in Philly. The show's doing very, very well ticket-wise. And, you know, bringing, I would love, you know, everyone's just like, hey, you know, you got to get on TV, you got to do all those things. And 100% I would love to do that. But I think most people go into it thinking they're going to be the next Vince McMahon and, you know, I'm, you know, uh, I always say you gotta crawl before you can walk, walk before you can run, run before you can fly. And I'm in the crawling stage, and you know will be for a while. And if it continues to be successful, I will continue to, you know, do more. And there's a lot of great talent out there, you know, from unknown talent as well as you know veterans, as well as guys in their prime, or you know, just that's to me what the great you know mix of professional wrestling is, and also variety. So that's what I'm doing, and you know, I did it for the first show, and now I'm doing it for the second show. Yeah, I mean, being at the first show, I mean, it really was a, it was a tremendous show. And, and after the show, talking a little bit with Mike Johnson, and, uh, you know, he has a way of kind of putting things in perspective. And he said, you know, this was a show that reminded you why you're a wrestling fan. And I was like, you know, you hit the nail on the head. Um, did you, when you go, went into that, I mean, you said you, you took the risk. It was your own money. I mean, were were you confident did did the show exceed your expectations did you i mean i know like when i went on the internet the next night people who were there like the demand for house of hardcore 2 was nearly immediate uh did you did you expect that that sort of reception uh, were you blown away by it what were your thoughts afterwards uh i was happy um i want to say that was the first show i ever saw like especially you know that there were no complaints or there was no, man, this match wasn't good or, or that, where I was just like, wow, everyone just loved the whole show. And to me, I'm a wrestling fan, always have been, always will be. And um, 
<clears throat> some of my greatest memories of my life have been at, you know, wrestling shows or, you know, great memories with my father who's no longer with me. You know, he took me to the Meadowlands the first time the NWA came. And, you know, him and I sat and watched Rick Flair versus Ricky Steamboat for 45 minutes. And it was just like, you know, I remember him cheering like I was cheering. And, you know, I, I feel that wrestling is the greatest, you know, form of entertainment. And, you know, people just, people want to be entertained. And if you have a show from top to bottom, you know, of, of good stuff, as well as I don't want, I, I see where a lot of promoters make mistakes, um, where they'll have a really, really good show and, you know, they just make mistakes along the way. But, you know, I was prepared and I, I handpicked a lot of the crew specifically for what I needed. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the way I do things. I always see things a little differently. I was I was taught that way, you know, just I look at things differently. And, you know, I also I'm able to step back and what would the fans want to see as opposed to, you know, what would I want to see. So, I mean, that's kind of how I... I do things and, you know, I, I just, again, I, I look at stuff and I look at a wrestling show like it's, it's an event and I was happy that, you know, the fans came out and they were all happy because it had an event feel to it. I was a little upset that I couldn't capitalize on the momentum that was from the show um, because of with WrestleMania being in the New York market. I wanted to, you know, also, like, I actually wanted to do the return show back up here in Poughkeepsie in June, and then, lo and behold, WWE decided to run a show up here in June, so I was like, I can't compete with WWE. So, you know, and when Philly was available, I I always, you know, Philly was where Tommy Dreamer was born, and I wanted to kind of be, you know, if I had the opportunity to do a show, it had to be in Philly, and, you know, again, this thing's successful. I'm going to come back here to Poughkeepsie and, you know, kind of keep on trying to grow. Now, Tommy, you mentioned earlier that you wrote, um, you know, the ECW One Night Stand pay-per-view. You did the TNA Hardcore Justice, and from those, we saw a lot of ECW revival shows. Shane Douglas had done the uh, Extreme Rising, and I think he's still trying to do some more of those shows. Um, but when you Take like House of Hardcore, and it's just, you know, to me as a wrestling fan, and to most wrestling fans, when they know that you're attached to it, it's House of Hardcore, they think of it as an ECW revival show. Yet you have more talent who weren't a part of ECW um, on the card um, than actual ECW original talent. Uh, what makes House of Hardcore different from all the other ECW revival shows that have been done in the past? Right. Well. Um, one, again, I'm a man of my word. I said, uh, hardcore justice was it for me. And, uh, you know, ECW is my legacy. Uh, I loved it. It was one of the best times of my life, but you know, I, I, I've always lived by my word. And when I said it's, it's it, it's over. Um, that was my last ECWS reunion, uh, type of deal. And, you know, extreme rising had asked me to be a part, you know, of their shows. And I was just like, you know, they could have called it anything else, but as soon as you, you know, try to revive, you know, the ECW, you know, it's because uh, to me, if it's not myself or Paul Heyman booking it, it's not the real deal. And, uh, you know, also people got to, I want to say, let ECW go uh, in the sense of that magic will never be captured again uh, the way it was, um, especially like, you know, there's. You know, we you know, we did things that were illegal, <laughs> you know, with music rights and all that stuff. Uh, but 
it was a different time, a different era. And, uh, you know, but for me, I, I can see it. And, and I, I kind of incorporate the ECW style in the back in the sense of every match, you know, we used to all go out there. And if the match in front of you, if you couldn't top that match, you didn't deserve to be where you were. And that's, you know, that was work ethic. And, like, being hardcore and all that stuff to me was just, you know, it, it caught a bad rap in the sense of it was blood and guts and tables and barbed wire. Now, yeah, you know, hardcore is going out there and performing and putting it all on the line uh, for the match and for for the fans. You know, most people, I don't want to say they forget, but I mean, ECW, we had some of the greatest wrestlers, and, and they would go out there and perform the greatest wrestling matches, which you know doing dives to the floor or, or just go out there and grappling for, you know, the, the Malenko Guerrero classics, you know, those, those are matches that were just, you know, wrestling matches or, or, you know, Ray Mysterio psychosis, you know, doing everything they could to, you know, get over uh, w- with the crowd. And then, you know, it's kind of the same emphasis that, you know, I like. And, you know, I remember, you know, watching the first one, Rhino versus Sammy Callahan was one of my favorite matches I've ever seen. And uh, then the Young Bucks versus um, Brian Kendrick and Paul London. I didn't, you know, I don't go out there and say, okay, you know, you're winning, you're losing. I just said, guys, go out there and entertain. I had no clue who was winning, who was losing. And I was going crazy for all, like, their false finishes and all that stuff. Or, you know, someone like Tony Nese and Alex Reynolds who tore it up and really from – that match on raised the bar of the show and it was just, they did some amazing stuff and it was just like, wow, you know, and, and you know, to me, that's, that's what it is. And yeah, I'm going to have, you know, some, uh, you know, my show was perfectly, I wanted the Sandman, you know, to end my show, not wrestling because Sandman, you know, he's going to be 50 years old. He was, uh, you know, his best thing about him, his entrance. And I wanted the fans to like one last time, see that Sandman's interest in. And you know, I remember I sat back and watched it and it was, I felt like I was a throwback in time. And, and I think everyone just enjoyed it. It was just, you know, it was that one, that one last time, Hey, we're going to see the Sandman's entrance, you know, and, and it, it made you remember exactly what you said, why you loved wrestling, you know, at that time period, um, you know, seeing Mikey Whipwreck, you know, being out there again and he trained Tony Nese and Alex Reynolds and having him be the special referee, you know, that, that's good. Mikey can still wrestle, but he's not, you know, I, I know it. I'm not Tommy Dreamer. Um, when I was 27, 28 years old, I can still have one hell of a match, but I'm more in the I'm becoming Terry Funk because I'm now 42, and what Terry Funk did for ECW, I'm trying to do for, you know, my own company slash, you know, the wrestling business where it's it's about the youth, it's about the other guys, and that's what, you know, I'm trying to do. And for, you know, House of Hardcore 2, I'm going to go throw back and, you know, me versus Lance Storm because we're two guys who can still, you know, put on a, a, a good match. Um, and we'll have Terry Funk out there, and, you know, that's kind of a nostalgia factor. And, you know, I'm going to do the rematch of the Young Bucks versus London and Kendrick, uh, having two Cold Scorpio, the guy who invented all the high-flying and all that stuff. He's one of the innovators of it versus John Morrison, who could do it all too. To me, that's a dream matchup. Um, and I just announced uh, last night MVP versus Sammy Callahan. You know, Sammy Callahan's last match uh, in Philadelphia. 
before he moves on to you know bigger and better things. And MVP, who doesn't do many uh, independent shows, he contacted me he's like, "Hey, I want to be part of your show." And you know, he just left New Japan, and that's you know, they're two guys who have kind of a similar style. Never had him you know wrestle before, but they really both like to go hard, kick each other in the face, throw some suplexes, and that's you know kind of what I want to see. And you know, when somebody like a you know an MVP or John Morrison, you know, call me up and like, hey, I really want to be on your show. And, you know, that's what I want to do. And for the wrestling fans, you know, the last, in my other show, I had Edge. This show, I'm having Ric Flair and, you know, just to sign autographs and do whatever Ric Flair wants to do. If he wants to just sign autographs, you know, even my, you know, House of Hardcore One, Edge came up to me and he was like, hey, can I go out there and cut a promo? And, you know, what am I going to say to Edge? No. Um, and he just wanted to go out there and endorse tag team wrestling and, you know, put over the good house and he he made a great speech and you know just yeah, I like to give people something for every everything and I'm gonna do that again in Philadelphia on June twenty second and I have my game plan uh show's doing good and I just want people to come out there and be entertained and just enjoy wrestling like I do. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the card, it's amazing. And it's amazing. You you get a guy like Edge. It's like, well, how do you top that? And you wind up bringing in a Ric Flair. I mean, it's, it's tremendous. The, the card is really shaped up. I'm curious. I'd like to ask you a little bit about, you know, when you look at your career, trained by Johnny Rods, uh, you know, you've worked with Heyman, obviously. I worked with the Savoldi family, uh, McMahons, NTNA. I mean, you've been everywhere. Philosophically, how do you bring all of this? Like, if you have a guy come into your school who's, hey, I want to be a wrestler, you know, green as green can be. What is your philosophy as far as teaching new wrestlers and bringing everything that you've learned and trying to share that knowledge? One is uh, teaching the guys respect, and two, telling them, you know, I've always, I'm brutally honest. Uh, anyone can tell you that. And, you know, I, I also. I don't believe in let me beat these people up. Let me, you know, degrade them. And I've seen, you know, people do that in the sense, you know, these people know nothing. If you, you know, you tell them, you make me, hey, I want to be a baseball player. And, okay, well, here you are with the New York Yankees and you're going to be standing there as CC Sabathia throws pitches at you. You know, no, you know, you got to start slow. I mean, right now, again, I'm sitting in the Mid-Ethan Civic Center I'm watching my students set up the ring and same thing that I got taught, uh, except for Johnny Rods would stretch us and, but it, it was a different time, a different era. They, you know, I, I have to emphasize, Hey, some of you guys may not make it, but there's nothing wrong with being an independent wrestler. Uh, this is your dream. I'm going to try to train you the best I can. And I'm going to throw, you know, I'm going to hold your hand until you're thrown out there in the world. And, you know, you're going to learn how I learned. And, uh, you know, there we do have where there's times the kids, you know, get put in real holes and they're learned how to, you know, fight out of them or, you know, teach teach them every situation they could ever be in. And I also remember, you know, I remember I remember my roots and I remember, like, the first time I ever saw Johnny Rods and, you know, oh, my God, that was, you know, Johnny Rods. And, you know, I, these, these people are on the early stages of, you know, their career. So, of course, they're still going to be fans and, you know, uh, I've taken pictures with them when they first started, and, you know, uh, now they may be like, oh, that was so stupid of me to do that. And like, no, it's not. You know, you got to remember this. I have pictures with me with Johnny Rod when I first started. And, you know, just a lot of guys are becoming actually good wrestlers, and they're having, you know, the school opened in September, and 
I've got, I have a few really, really talented guys, and, you know, we have one girl, and they've all had, like, you know, their first, second, you know, some kids have had seven, eight matches already, and they've actually worked more than I did when I first started because, you know, we're helping other promoters, and I'm saying, hey, I got these kids, they'll work on your show, and they're willing to pay their dues like I did. So, I mean, it's an easy trade-off, and they're all respectful, and, again, we're, we all, I don't care if you're, you know, from from Ric Flair, Terry Funk, uh, to myself, to any of my students, they, we all have a dream to get involved in this, and, you know, again, I'm going to prepare them the best way I can. Tommy, I want to uh, give you a little word association with some names that you've come across in the wrestling business. I'm going to give you ten names, and, you know, the first thing that pops up in your mind, uh, you know, it could be brief, it could be however long you like, but uh, yeah. you know, I'm going to give you ten names. <laughs> you know, I'm not looking for any dirt or anything like that, but just the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, first off, uh, the, the the guys that you uh, broke into the business and helped you were uh, the Savoldi family. Uh, they were the first people to put me on TV. They never did wrong by me. Um, I have always had a pleasurable experience with them, and, and you know I'm happy Angelo is still alive, uh, Tommy's still wrestling, and Mario's still out there promoting and doing his thing. And they—they uh, they were the first people to put me on TV when I was 19 years old, and I've had a hell of a run since then. Okay, uh, next. Um... A, a guy that you're probably most famously associated with, who you worked for, Paul Heyman. Uh, wrestling genius. Um, I guess I I was the first ever Paul Heyman guy, and um, you know, happy he's still doing his deal. He's he has, he does have a great eye for talent and developing talent, and you know, I always would say if he uses his power for good, there's no better in the wrestling business than him. Okay, uh, Dixie Carter. Lovely lady. Enjoyed my time working with her. She gave me, uh, she helped reignite my love for wrestling. Not that I lost it, but just I was, you know, after I left WWE, I was um, just kind of like, eh, I'm just going to do this part time. And when, you know, she contacted me about coming to TNA and then, you know, asking me to write the show, she really, really, you know, got my hopes up and, uh, she's a lovely woman. Uh, I really, I really like her uh, personally, and you know, wish I saw more of her. Uh, Vince McMahon. Besides my own father, probably one of the most uh, influential people in my life, because this is all I've ever wanted to do since I'm nine years old. Um, I know a lot of people like to knock and discredit what they see on television, but you can't, you know, knock Vince's success and. I've always had a great relationship with him, and he's offered and, you know, done a lot for me, and, you know, we nothing but respect. Okay, the guy that's going to be in your corner. And, and hang on, and nobody can outwork him. Trust me, I've tried. <laughs> okay. And the guy that will be in your corner at House of Hardcore too, Terry Funk. Terry Funk uh, has, I want to say, more, one of the most influential people, I mean, not only for myself, but in, in this business that I don't know if he gets enough credit for it. You know, he was the one who, you know, told Hulk Hogan to go to WWE, you know, E at the time. And, uh, you know, he's also, he, he's had his hand in a lot of talent. And it's amazing that, like, I mean, I just, I hated Terry Funk as a kid, and which meant how great he did his job. So I was a huge Dusty Rhodes fan. 
And, uh, you know, Terry, it's amazing the, I don't know if it was fate or what it is, how him and I have, you know, bonded and connected, but I mean, he helped me out and then just, you know, he's, he helped get a lot of guys their first break like I have. And, you know, I hope you know, that I could have the career that he has had. And, uh, I just got to start doing moonsaults into the crowd at 50 and I think I can <laughs> hit it. <laughs> okay. Uh, a, a fairly new talent, somebody who's going to, you know, be wrestling MVP at the house of or two, Sammy Callahan. Intense. Sammy Callahan reminds me of Fit Finley meets Bruiser Brody. Uh, if he was a little taller, he would probably be heavyweight champion of the world. And uh, the only thing that I think separates Sammy Callahan from a Daniel Bryan is uh, Sammy Callahan wasn't trained by HBK. And uh, Sammy Callahan, his in-ring, he could do it all. And he has, he's got it. And, you know, he's He's going to be the man one day. Raven. My longest and closest feud. Uh, him and I really, really went at it. Um, and without him, I don't know if Tommy Dreamer could have, you know, become a household name. And I think Dreamer Raven feud is one of the higher ones in the professional wrestling, you know, industry. I rated on up there with, you know, Kevin Sullivan, Dusty Rhodes, um, Abdul the Butcher, Carlos Colon, and I just think of all the characters that morphed out of that. I uh, And just like we were talking before about the whole ECW revival thing at Hardcore Justice, uh, I believe in stipulations. I know most people don't, but uh, I've always I've always prided myself on that. And, you know, I've been offered on many, many indie shows, you know, hey, will you wrestle Raven? And I just tell them no. And I said that was my, my last match with him. And never never going to wrestle him ever again, you know, that you had to buy that pay-per-view or watch that pay-per-view to see that one last time. And I have wrestled him in a few tags, but, you know, there will never be a Tommy Dreamer Raven singles match ever again because, you know, uh, I have, I guess, pride and I believe in those steps. I shouldn't, but I do. Okay. Ric Flair. He's a nature boy. Um, really, you know, He's one of the best of all time, and uh, happy to have him on my show. A guy who you had a brief run with in the WWE, uh, The Undertaker. Undertaker, I love him. Uh, he's the leader. He's the dead man. He's, I want to say, almost bigger than the WrestleMania streak. He's actually bigger than WrestleMania. And he's another guy who doesn't get um, he doesn't get enough credit for what he does, and because most people don't get to see, you know, the Undertaker in the back and how he was a leader and, you know, how he helped, you know, during the whole WCW and WWE Monday Night Wars. And uh, I love him. And uh, I text him. We talk, you know, maybe once, twice a week. And just happy to call him a friend. And not many people can say they're friends with a dead man. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And last but not least, the guy you will be wrestling at House of Hardcore 2, Lance Storm. A true professional. Um, probably one of the nicer guys in the wrestling business. And it's funny how when I asked him, I wanted him at House of Hardcore 1. I actually wanted to do him versus Jerry Lynn. And he was just like, eh, I'm kind of, you know, my body's hurting. 
and I'm not in really good shape. And he has a, you know, he does wrestling camps up in his, you know, neck of the woods in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And uh, then uh, he was just like, hey, you know, I was like, hey, and then do a show in Philly. You want to come in? And I actually was going to do him versus John Morrison in a teacher versus student type of match. And then he was just like, eh, I'd rather just wrestle you. And I said, okay, done. And he's like, I look forward to kicking your ass again. And I was like, I look forward to kicking your ass again. But my answer is, uh, I want to also say beyond underrated. He can high fly. He can mat wrestle. Lance can do it all. And, you know, he was, he's a great guy. And, you know, uh, he's from that mindset too of going out there and, you know, performing and, you know, he could, he just, he wants to have a great match and I'm happy to be wrestling him and somebody like him, uh, you know, on a show like that just because he gets it and always has. Well, before I let you go, I can't thank you enough, Tommy, for giving us uh, the time. June 22nd, House of Hardcore 2 in Philadelphia, houseofhardcore.net. Get your tickets. We also put the link up on our website, so get your tickets now. But as a fan, you, you told us before you are at, at most a wrestling fan. Is there any one match that you're really looking forward to uh, at House of Hardcore above the others? Um... No. Uh, I want to say the expectations of the rematch between the Young Bucks in London and Kendrick is going to be huge, and I know those guys would deliver. And I was pissed I couldn't have Rhino on the show because he had a previous engagement because um, I would have loved to have him on the show. But um, I want to say the show stealer could be Tony Nese, Alex Reynolds, and Petey Williams in uh, a three-way. And I knew that match was so good on paper and they exceeded my expectations. And then to throw someone in there like Petey Williams, who's most people know from TNA, um, I think that match could be a show stealer. As well as, you know, I'm going to sit back and watch Two Cold Scorpio versus John Morrison. And, like, when I told John Morrison, you know, I'm going to have you in Scorpio, he was just like, man, this is like almost like a dream match for me. I mean, you know, most people don't know Scorpio invented, you know, the the 450 and, you know, all that stuff. And he he can do it all. And he's, I'm 42. I don't know how old Scorpio is. And I've wrestled with him recently. And I, I'm like, how does he still do this? Like, he's the most, most athletic man. And he does it without, you know, any, I remember one time he body slammed me. And he was like, I'm going to try something. And just went up there and he did a moonsault into a leg drop. And that was the first time he, you know, he was, then it became dropping the bomb. And it was like the first time that move was ever done. And we got, you know, in the back, I was like, thanks. And he's like, did I hurt you? And I was like, no. He's like, yeah, I always thought I could do that. And I was like, well, thanks for trying it out on my face. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he's still like, he, he can envision something. And then he just does it. And John Morrison is the same. You know, John just goes out there and, hey, I think I could do this, or, you know, and I just, as a fan, I'm probably going to sit back and enjoy those matches the most um, just because it's, you know, a lot of dream matches like Scorpio and Morrison, they don't add up or, you know, or live up to those expectations, but I don't think fans realize, like, this is the guy who did it versus the guy who still does it, and the guy who invented it can still do it, so you know, I'm a firm believer in the mix of what I have of guys in their prime, veterans, and up-and-comers. Makes a great, you know, makes a great team. No 
team in any sport wins championships with all rookies. Uh, you know, you got to have that diversity, and that's what I kind of like to bring to the wrestling fans. Well, congratulations to you. A stocked card. Uh, I, I would agree as a fan, you, you, you have a great mix of young talent, uh, talent in their prime, and legends. Uh, looking forward to House of Hardcore 2. I'm getting to the point where I'm looking forward to House of Hardcore 3. So congratulations to you guys. Get your tickets now for House of Hardcore 2. Tommy, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, I'd love to have you on again in the future. Thanks, Brad. No problem. Thank you, and I'll see you all the fans there. Take it easy. Bye. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Tommy Dreamer. Uh, Dave, wow. Um, you know, this stuff doesn't get old. Uh, it's great being able to talk to someone of that caliber. Uh, I can't stress enough. I mean, honestly. Uh, and I'm not BSing. I'm not blowing smoke because uh, Tommy Dreamer was, was just on. Um, I It's one of the best times I've ever had at a wrestling show, top to bottom, uh, and he's right. I, when I walked out of the first House of Hardcore, uh, I didn't have one bad thing to say about the card. I was amped. I had a good time. Uh, it was a lot of fun. The crowd was amped up. It was a hot crowd. Uh, you, you had some of that, like, you know, old-school ECW feel, but you got that sense it wasn't trying to be ECW. So it was uh, it just great matches across the board, hard-hitting matches as well as very athletic matches. Um High flyer type matches. Uh, it just, it was a great event. And and then you know, like I said, he he has Edge on the first House of Hardcore. Great name, great choice to be like a a guest GM type, and comes out and cuts a promo. And what do they do? They go out and get a Ric Flair for this one, and Terry Funk is going to be in in Dreamer's corner. So uh, it doesn't get any better than that. Can't thank Tommy enough for. Uh, yeah, I, spent, you know, I didn't know how much time he'd give us, and uh, he was on for about a half hour. So uh, go get your tickets. Again, houseofhardcore.net. If you if you can't remember that, kenreedyshow.com. We got the link right there, so you can click on that. It takes you right to House of Hardcore so you can get your tickets. But, uh, wow, Dave, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Wrestling bucket list. Check. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it was, that was definitely fun. I, I it very... Uh, you know, insightful, and you know he, <clears throat> he believes in this product, and he's a, you know, at the end of the day, he's a fan. You know, and that's what's the cool thing about it is that you could talk to some of these wrestlers, and some of them just get in the profession because you know they know they, they know they got a look and they can do it and they can make money. And they're not really, they weren't really big fans of it. He's been a wrestling fan since you know since he was knee high to a grasshopper. You know, from from set, well, what it sounds like, and you know you can hear that in his voice when he talks about you know the wrestling product and you know especially his promotion now that he's got going on. So that's pretty cool. It's it was it, to me it felt like. It didn't feel like hey, I was just talking to Tommy Dreamer, former ECW wrestler. It felt like I was talking to another wrestling fan, and that's what was so cool about it. And that's what he does. I mean, that's how he books his show. I mean, it's it's almost you can see him like sitting down, and he sits down with a pad and pen and says, "All right, what would I want to see?" And then starts from there. And it, you know, again, I'm looking at this card. I have have the website pulled up right now, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, wow, yeah, that's going to be a great match. Yeah, that's going to be a great match. Oh, cool, Ric Flair's going to be there. All right, that's going to be awesome to see Flair. Terry Funk, oh, that's going to be cool. I mean, it's just like there's not anything on here. I mean, the first show, Young Bucks versus London and Kendrick, was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, that match was just crazy. I mean, just the athleticism in that match was, you know, and, and now they're going to they're gonna 
have a rematch, and you know, I, I don't know what these guys can do to top that. But the interesting thing is, as a fan, I feel like they're going to. I feel like some, in some way, shape, or form, those four competitors are actually going to figure out a way to top their first match. So, uh, unbelievable. Get your tickets again. Thank you, Tommy Dreamer, and you know, uh, our friend Nunzio, uh, little Guido, he helped set this whole thing up. So, thank you to him for uh, hooking us up there. You know, we're on borrowed time right now. We're going a little over, but who cares? We'll take your calls for a little while. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number because we got a few on hold. And why not go to the calls and talk a little more wrestling? And right now, we got Mike on the line. Hey guys, great interview with Tommy. Thanks, I appreciate. It. What do you got for us? Not not much. Saturday night, Tommy Dreamer wrestled in Staten Island, um, and all Tommy Dreamer kept on saying in the back was that he loved coming to ECPW because the wrestlers had heart. And Tommy uh, went out there, and uh, he gave the fans a lot of wrestling, and he did a very good job. And uh, Tuco Scorpio is 47. 47? 47. Wow. That, that's uh, that's impressive. And, and I, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's really amazing to talk to someone who's not only a, a performer but has, like, such a great – mind for the business and he's right you know you can't you can't just have all young guys on on the show you know you got to have that that mix and that uh that match with uh morrison should be tremendous and i you know the one thing that struck me with dreamer and and as a fan i mean i'm probably guilty of it as as well and kind of thinking that and uh the terms uh you know the term hardcore and the fact that for for tommy uh, you know, his definition of hardcore is just giving everything you got, you know, bringing everything to the ring, leaving it all out there, if you will. And, and the, the term is kind of warped over the years, obviously, to, I mean, to the, we're having a hardcore match where it has to be uh, tables and chairs and, and uh, cages and kendo sticks and, and, you know, all that other stuff. But uh, that idea of creating a promotion where, it's not necessarily all about that uh, extreme type stuff, but House of Hardcore symbolizes coming to the ring and giving everything you have for the fans that are in attendance that night. And, you know, that's what I got out of the first House of Hardcore, and, and the second one looks like it's going to deliver uh, much the same way. Yeah, well, putting Ric Flair, uh, putting Ric Flair and Terry Funk out there and all those other great wrestlers, and you know something? I know um, I know Sammy Callahan very well. Sammy used to tag with a good friend, a good friend of mine, um, down at JAP. Um, and also, I saw him wrestle at Evolve Wrestling, and Sammy Callahan could bring it. So you know, Sammy, uh, Sammy, Sammy's a good wrestler. I like Sammy very, very much. Yeah, I think he's he's incredibly talented. I've seen him a couple times, uh, you know, and uh, the, his match with Rhino, and and that was one of those things where it was one of those matches with Rhino that you could see where you know something doesn't necessarily have to have that extreme moniker and and still be violent. I mean, Rhino and Sammy just that was a hard hitting <laughs> matchup, and those guys left it out there, but it was like every move just reverberated throughout the arena, like you you just kind of. You felt the pain almost. That I mean, it just looked like everything that each guy delivered on the other guy hurt immensely. I mean, it was just two stocky big guys. Just you know, it was like two bulls 
just just running head first at each other. A tremendous matchup. And uh, you know with, what's happening with Sammy Callahan? I mean, best of luck with him and and everything he's doing in the future. But a, a very talented up and coming star. Yeah, Sammy Callahan is very talented. Um, and and there's no doubt there's no doubt about there's no doubt about it. Um, but that's you know that's the way that's the way the wrestling business goes. Today, um, today I was thinking I was thinking about it. We were talking we were talking about underrated and who didn't get a good push. I was wondering if you guys thought that Smitsky didn't get the push that he deserved. It's a good question. I mean, I you know I I don't know. I I I'm of the ilk that I mean they used him, but I I, I do think that a guy of his size and physique uh, kind of fading away. With a whimper, um, to me, I kind of lean towards yeah, maybe they could have used him more effectively. I mean, I, I just tend to think you, when you got a guy of that size, you can find something substantial for him, and uh, you know maybe they did. Uh, it's an interesting name. What do you think, Dave? Um, I think yeah, they could have used him more, but you also got to remember too, like he was a virtual nobody on TV when they started the angle with Kane when he, you know. You know, apparently Lita had the miscarriage, and then he kicked the baby into the crowd. Um, so, I, you remember that? Oh yeah, it wasn't my fault. He punted it. He punted it like you thought there was a baby in his hand, and then he kicked it. But are we interrupting something, Mike? You gotta go to no, dinner. Sorry. sorry, no, it was just uh, it was it was just Ryback coming back. I think. Uh, I thought, I, I thought I thought maybe your mother told you you had to clean your room, otherwise you're going to get grounded or something. No, my room is clean, and uh, the only wi- people that ground me are women. Uh, well, that doesn't. Go ahead, Dave. Sorry. Sorry <laughs> but no, I think he could have been used more. I mean, they did some stuff with him and Kane. Um, I remember at one point they kind of dabbled with him and Heidenreich, when they you know, and these two guys are pretty friggin' weird. So I thought maybe they were going to make them like a tag team, and you know, they they had some pretty good interaction in some of the you know the, the backstage vignettes, but they they didn't really do enough. They put him on the ECW brand. I remember at one time, and I think even at one point, like I read an interview with him, like the company asked him to like yellow his teeth like just so that like they can make him like a more scarier looking and they made him shave his head and like he had like dye like on like yellow dye on his teeth that like was supposed to sit on his teeth for like six months and then they released him so they like, didn't really do much with him but um he was a physically intimidating looking guy i've met him in person he's enormous he's do, not uh, do you guys know where he trained sorry about that do you guys know who uh where he was originally I know he worked in. I know he trained in uh, Alpha's promotion. The, That's the right. Salon. He trained with Alpha. Now you guys, do you oh. guys know the pirate? You guys seen the the guy who called himself? I think he called himself the pirate. He um, works for. Um, he works for that organization. Um, he works for the organization, the Syndicate Wrestling. Did you ever see him? Um, I'm not too familiar with it, but the okay. Pirate. He was in. A, he was in. I think a six way match. Well, anyway, they trained together. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, he was in a six-way match um, that you guys saw at the WrestleMania weekend. Something pirate, I think. Okay. Okay. Something like that. Something something a pirate. I don't know. This kid's catching on. I guess you guys haven't seen him. 
But uh, before I go, um, I just want to let everybody know that Saturday, June 22nd, at Sacred Heart um, Church in Staten Island, Gene Snitsky will be in attendance. Um, and also the Fat Boys with Magic um, and Big Dan will be taking on Andrew Anderson uh, from the movie The Wrestler and uh, The Peacemaker. The guy looks just like the big boss man. Um, so you can go to ecpw1.com, um, ecwwrestling.one.com to check out all the information on that. But uh, you guys, I thank you for your time. And again, Tommy Dreamer was awesome. And again, I said it today, I was talking to Mr. Trivia today on this show. Um, you can check out that interview on my page, Mike Ferrara. And I was telling him how you guys handle interviews and, and you do a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks right, for the call. On. Keep up the good work, and I'll talk to you guys next. I'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Sounds good. Thank you all for supporting us. Uh, yeah, quite a show this evening. Uh, you wrestling fans out there, you know, like we had Tommy Dreamer on tonight. You know, twenty second, get your tickets for House of Hardcore. If you guys are around in Parsippany, I'm going to be hanging out at a. We got a wrestling on fire event coming up on uh, this Saturday. Uh, June 15th, so come on down to Parsippany, get your tickets, uh, Parsippany PAL, uh, you know, kind of hang out, we'll watch some wrestling, uh, I'll be there, so it should be a fun night, but uh, tonight, wow, you know, Dave, uh, I'm a little bit speechless at the moment, uh, Tommy Dreamer, you know, gave us a solid half hour, lots of good stuff, uh, it's a good night, good night to be a wrestling fan, Dave. Exactly. Couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't have said it better myself. It was a fun interview, and uh, you know, uh, is there nothing more I could say? Like I said, wrestling bucket list check. Yeah, it's tremendous. Thank you all for uh, tuning in this evening. Uh, gave you a little bit of extended time. We usually go ninety minutes. We went a little bit over today, but that's okay. We'll be back this Sunday. At a regular time, 6 to 8 p.m., we're doing our, usually we do our pay-per-view pregame show, so we're going to be doing that on Sunday before payback, uh, shaping up to be a, a decent or interesting pay-per-view, and we're going to have speculation, predictions, opinions, let's see what happens on a SmackDown, we'll be talking a little payback on Sunday, looking forward to that, Dave. Yeah, it should be a uh, a fun show, solid card. Um course looking forward to punk jericho that should probably be the uh the show stealer yeah overall looks like it's going to be a fun car i'm kind of curious why they put sheamus on the pre-show though that's um i was i was kind of surprised by that he's going to wrestle i actually shouldn't say pre-show it's called the payback kickoff i think the only reason why they called it a kickoff is because sheamus uses the broke kick but that's a whole nother story for another time but yeah i was kind of surprised that they put sheamus and sandow on the uh the kickoff show um, well, maybe, I thought it's something, they, maybe it's trying to, to bring some some additional eyes to that kickoff show, you know. I'd, well, yeah, I, I could understand why because you know the last four kickoff shows they've had, the Miz has been on all of them, and they really haven't brought any eyes to the pay per view. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, be that as it may, yeah, that's a good point. So we'll we'll talk kickoff. We'll talk payback. Sunday night, 6 to 8 p.m., the KenReedyShow.com. We'll be doing our pregame. Again, thank you so much for Tommy Dreamer for giving us a call tonight. Go check out HouseOfHardcore.net, and you can go to the KenReedyShow.com. We threw up a link right there. 
Uh, tell your friends. Catch the replay. Listen to it archived. Tommy Dreamer. It's a good half hour. Really great stuff. Again, thank you to him. For Dave, I am Ken Reedy. Thank you guys for tuning in and supporting us. We will see you this Sunday. Take care, everybody.